Good morning. I'm Karen Audubonny. Here we go. And uh, I got some announcements and then we're going to go in. I've got Mo Mulhern waiting for us patiently in Zoom. Thank you, Mo, for being there. Um, so first off, uh, I want to announce that we're having a little bit of trouble with our 91.5 reception on KZYZ. Uh, we know about the problem. Rich has been working on it yesterday. He's got more parts coming today. So we got it under control. We're working on it. But if it's an iffy signal, we know about it and we're, you know, doing what we need to take care of it. Okay. Um, the other thing is, is that we've been in the middle of a silent drive. It's called our uh, spring quiet drive is what they're calling it. Instead of doing it, you know, passionately on the air, we come to you twice a year. We're doing kind of a, just a silent drive and it was effective um, last fall. So we're doing it again. So here's how you can do this. You um, you know you listen. I know you're listening. I know I listen. Um, and we need to support this community project. This is a nonprofit. We don't, you know, we need your help. The membership is very, very important to us. Um, and you, be, you can become a member or you can up your membership pledge that you already have. Lots of ways to get a hold of us. Um, first off, there's snail mail at P.O. Box 1, Philo, uh, 95466. That's a good one. You can go to our website at www.kzyx.org and there's a big donate button. That's a really good way to do it too. You can become a sustainable member, which is, that means your credit card or your bank account gets hit with a little bit every month, which really is nice for us because then we know we have money coming in and we can kind of do a little bit of planning, that kind of thing. Um, the other thing you can do is you can call the uh, office right now at 895-2324 and there'll be somebody there to take your pledge and all your numbers and all of that to do it but please step up and become a member or up your membership because um, we really I personally feel we need this community project we level the mountains you know we broadcast all over the county we get into Lake County and it's it's very important to us to do that because that allows me to bring you incredible guests like Mo Mulhern I'm gonna get Mo up here by doing this one Mo are you with me I am good morning hey good to see you and I am seeing her on Zoom, which is really an interesting way of doing these shows, since uh, she can't, we can't all be here in the, in the studio. Um, you know, the other thing I wanted to add, too, is that uh, last week I had the opportunity, thankfully, to get my second shot, my vaccine. Oh, congratulations. I know. And I want to just say that I know that everybody, the doctors are saying that, you know, you talk to your friends and your neighbors to encourage them. It was not painful. I mean, I had a little bit of sore in my arm, no, nothing more than you know, and I'm old and feeble. <laughs> no, so um, please talk to your friends, talk to your family, encourage them. They've lowered the age limit now. I think it's now almost 16 and above is what I've heard. Um, so do it. Encourage your friends and family. Let's support our um, community, our friends, our family, our loved ones, and let's get this done. And then we can all get back to party and hearty out in the neighborhoods again, right? Yeah, you know, um, right now it's 16 and up with a um, with a coexisting medical condition. Oh, is that what and it is? Great. It will be opened up further, hopefully fairly soon, this week and last, and probably next week. We are only receiving second doses, so that's a little bit of a wrinkle. But the good news is that by the end of those second doses, we'll have about 40% of our eligible population vaccinated, yeah. which is a number for Mendocino County. Um we're doing great yeah we're really doing great how small of a county we are we are we are doing really well 
So, I believe this is the first time you've been on the air since you got elected, Mo. We, Mo and I did uh, debates last uh, before the election last November. Uh, Mo was elected to the second district supervisor position, which is pretty much the Ukiah area. Maybe it a little extends a little bit to the city of Ukiah and beyond. But I wanted to get Mo on because uh, I've been following the county. Two weeks ago, I had... Um, Ted Williams on, and we talked about money coming in the county and some stuff going on. I've streamed. You guys have been doing powerful meetings. Monday, you had a board meeting that went on for over seven hours. Yesterday, another board meeting. Um, a lot of incredible, powerful things, I think, and positive things happening for the county. So I wanted to get Mo in to talk about how's it feel to be a supervisor, Mo? How you doing? <laughs> I, I love it. I am living my best life. I, I really enjoy talking to people. I enjoy helping make decisions that will have an impact in our community. I actually mentioned this to somebody else. You know, it never gets easier having people talk about you on the internet. Actually, somebody called into our meeting yesterday and called us all idiots. Not super helpful when we're trying to start a conversation. But, you know, um, other than that, I'm having a great time as long as we can have civil conversations and and really what I appreciate when we receive feedback from the community is when people offer solutions. Hey, I understand, you know, that there's a problem and it could go this way or that way. Where how do we get to some kind of middle ground and try to come up with solutions? Um, during the campaign, I held a lot of events well before. COVID shut us down, but I am continuing to do Thursday mornings from 7.15 to 7.45. I call it coffee and conversation, and it is on Zoom. And I just hold that space for people to come and talk to me, and we will get people anywhere talking from um, Black Lives Matter to the vaccine rollout to last Thursday. We talked a lot about cannabis because it was in advance of the planning commission meeting that was happening on Friday. So... You know, I just want people to know being accessible is important to me and I want to hear from everybody. I also really, I, I will um, show you kindness and um, compassion as I'm listening to you and I expect the same respect. So um, I think this is my little plug to remind people that your local elected officials are real people. We are human beings. So, you know, choose yeah. your words that you would speak to a human. And how do people get, I was going to ask about that, how do you get involved in your Zoom meeting, your weekly meeting? How do we Sure, my Zoom um, meeting ID is 707-954-8230, and my password is capital local 707. And it is on my website, which is maureenmulhern.com. My name is spelled M-A-U-R-E-E-N. M-U-L-H-E-R-E-N.com. I also put out a weekly newsletter that um, essentially it's just a, a, a brief summary of which meetings I've attended. And I think this helps people figure out what they'd like to talk to me about. So for instance, I'm on the area of aging board. And if that, you know, an age from the community is important to someone, then they would know that that's something that um, that I can I can talk to them about. It's, a, it's an interesting... Um, role to play as a county supervisor versus a city council person because I'm really serving the whole county while representing my district. So I'm always happy to speak with 
community members from outside of my district, especially because my district is so geographically small and also an incorporated city. So the things that happen in the city of Ukiah are not the same things or impact the people the same way that they do in Covalo or Potter Valley, which I um, recently went on uh, in Covalo and in Potter Valley, both to talk about cannabis and in cannabis policy and, and what might be coming forward in the future. I'm also um, a very visual learner and love to get out and just really see things in action. <laughs> when uh, when we have our, um, we have a lot of consent items. And so this is something that is always a balance is how do you, how do you take these long agendas and consolidate them so that the public has time for um, that to give their feedback and also that you can really accomplish the work of policy that needs to be done by the county supervisors. So I was just going to say, so you, I just want to do a quick reintroduction for people who just turned in. I'm Karen Audubon. Okay. This is TKO and on the air with me is uh, Mo Mulhern. She's the second district supervisor, new second district supervisor. Um, and just for people who don't know you, because it is the first time you've been on the air, they'll get to know you and through this venue. Um, you were with the city council of Ukiah for six years, I believe? Yes, Okay. So you started, she started as a supervisor, or city council member and mayor once or twice? Mayor? I was the mayor in 2018, yep. There we go. Okay, so that's the experience you bring to the table. Um, interestingly enough, y you know, you don't even have an office space yet. I mean, you're working out of your home, right? Because you guys can't I get the new supervisors, or none of the supervisors can get back into the admin building, Correct. No, we have not come back into the building yet. I am working either from home or from my office downtown. I manage a co-work space downtown. And so I'll use that often for my meetings, actually. Oh. It's uh, uh, formerly an attorney's office and they left all the law books. And I get a lot of comments about how uh, people had previously gotten divorced in the conference room that they see me on. <laughs> I was, that's the great thing about small towns is you really it's amazing met. it's amazing it's truly amazing yeah so um yeah. you've been in you've been in this position now for almost three months we're coming up at the end of march uh some really hot topics have been at the super on the supervisors desks or tables right now on their agendas uh long board meetings i will tell everybody i stream them at home uh where i can do a few things in between but having the zoom has allowed i think it averages maybe somewhere between 75 and 150 people that are actually listening in on those zoom meetings depending on the topics so um Tell us about your experience in the first three months. How you doing? What's going on? What pops out as to what are your focused issues right now? Well, I think it helped that I came from the city council to the board of supervisors. You know, a lot of the, I'm going to try to think of how to say this, like a lot of the challenges that I heard about um, at the county level, I am not able to duplicate. I mean, when I ask for a document or I ask for help with something or um, I'm asking for some type of change, I, I, I am able to affect that change. And so that feels really good. So for instance, you know, um, one of the questions and what I was getting to earlier is the 
um, consent calendar items? And why are there so many retroactive consent items? So many retroactive uh, contracts. And, you know, very early on in January, I asked that that information be provided in detail in the agenda summary report. And then if it's not enough information, then that can certainly be pulled and, and we can have a larger conversation about it. But even, you know, I think being able to hear the community's feedback and incorporate incorporate those changes is really why I I choose to serve as an elected official. And so to be able to even have um, small changes happen in the in the county government as far as communication is concerned is a big win for me. So I'm I'm having a really good time. It is not without its challenges. And like you mentioned, we certainly um, started off with some very controversial topics and we, and we continue to have those conversations. I think that, and I don't know if the listeners or yourself has experiences. I think that this board is working incredibly well together. Our conversations are civil. Our questions are um, constructive and I think it's going very well so far. So I'm, I really am having, having a very enjoyable time working with supervisors and the county staff. So so one of the questions that pops up for me, having seen the agenda for the last three months, having having streamed the board meetings, knowing you don't have an office, do do we, does the super does each one of the supervisors do you have like a secretary? Do you have an assistant? Because there is a lot of paperwork. I gotta tell you this just listeners, yesterday one of the agenda items yesterday had a hundred letters that came in that were listed in the agenda that I could have clicked on and seen all of the letters, but that's a lot of information to put together and to gather. So do you have an assistant? Do you have a secretary? Any help at all? No, Minnesota County Supervisors do not have staff. Um, our Sonoma County partners have actually a couple of staff and, huh. and, and most supervisors do. I think because we are a smaller rural community, we don't. I wanted to say um, that I read every single one of those letters. Um, I do not put my phone down basically unless I'm asleep. And so it's constantly checking my email to read the letters. Um, I don't respond to all of them because I simply don't have time. I, the planning commission meeting that was on Friday, I think it was between 350 to 400 public comment that came in on that. So I read all of those, but I didn't reply directly to every single person. But, you know, I think it the demand on the supervisors and, and our role is really, in my opinion, it's it's what we signed up for. It's our responsibility to make sure that we are hearing and reading the public comment, that we are thoroughly studying our agenda packet. Um, I have a, like I said, I, I don't put my phone down a lot. I'm, I'm especially before a board meeting, I'm <clears throat> constantly reading or reviewing or adding notes to agenda items. I just my personal process is to watch the planning commission meetings, to watch the measure B meetings, to watch the other meetings that I'm not involved with on the YouTube channel, just so that I can really understand what's happening. Um, in 2019, when I was running, I was physically attending each meeting, as many meetings as possible all over the county. So now that they're on Zoom, it's actually made my life a little bit easier. I can just um, even, you know, 
plug the, turn the YouTube on and, and take my dog for a walk and just listen to a meeting yeah. while I'm taking my dog for a walk. So I'm pretty dedicated to that. And let me just let uh, listeners know if you haven't, probably don't, people don't know, the, the, the planning commission meeting that Mo is referring to that happened last Friday, I actually checked in and out on it in and in and out on it all day but that was an 11 hour planning commission meeting I, I i'm trying to think if i've ever been at one or been heard of one that's that long but it was around cannabis and it's a big topic so yeah that it's a lot of work to keep up with what you need to do um what i wanted to kind of talk about with you today is we've got I've talked about with Ted Williams, I talked about the big chunk of PG&E money that's coming and the settle money. That's $21.6 million. And then we've just recently learned through the CARES Act that the county's going to get an influx of about $16 million, maybe a little less, a little more, that's around the CARES Act, which is from the feds coming to uh, backfill all the, the costs around, I guess, COVID and those kind of things. Um, that's that's a lot of money and that's basically what i would consider discretionary money because the board kind of gets to decide where a lot of that money goes so that's a big chunk of discretionary money coming into the county and i think it's important in the in looking forward as to how we can invest that money to really really move the county forward it just seems like an incredible opportunity right now and i know the board's talking about strategic planning um there there, there's all these issues that are kind of weaving together for me around the money around strategic planning about some structural changes within the county so i was hoping um to kind of talk about that with you today, I know that you and Glenn McGordy are doing our, I don't know if it's a little subcommittee or a, whatever you guys call it, um, an ad hoc committee, that's what you call it. Um, you're going to be going out in the community to get feedback about the um, the settlement, the PG&E settlement, and strategically where should we be putting that. Um, so have, have you done any of that so far, Outreach, and what's your thinking around this money? So, so a, a lot of things were already in motion before I joined the board. And so I think the community was surprised to see the list that the staff had come up with about what to do with those PG&E settlement funds. However, I just from listening in to last year, I know that the board had already given some direction. So I don't think it was that surprising to except for maybe to us that are new and me in particular, um, having, you know, tried to serve the best I could as a city council member for the fires in 2017. I really want to see those funds go to the communities of Robo Valley and Potter Valley. Um, they were incredibly devastated by those fires and, and some things have been repaired, homes have been rebuilt, but there's still a lot of work to do as far as um, water infrastructure, the fire departments, um, the the board, you know, has a an ordinance where you have to keep your property free of fire risk and clear your brush, but not every homeowner can afford to do that. So there's really important work that the Mendocino Fire Safe Council does with their chipper days. Um, you know, there's just a lot of things that in my mind have a direct impact on fire management and 
the, the fires that have previously happened. And I think it's important that we consider those as a board, a full board. Um, it sounded like the board had previously given direction to really Im impact the economy for the entire county. And I don't know, I just feel pretty passionately that those specific funds were, were meant for, um, you know, the, the, the communities of Potter Valley and River Valley and making sure that the devastation that happened doesn't happen again. But, but you can, yeah, as far as the plan for the yeah. community meetings, yeah. Um, Supervisor McGordy and I will be working with the UC cooperative extension. They are going to, um, help facilitate some zoom meetings for, especially for River Valley where people have better access to, um, Wi-Fi and internet. We hope to visit the MAC in Redwood Valley as guests and then also um, the fire department there in Redwood Valley. And in Potter Valley where there is less access to internet, we're hoping to do a physically distanced um, conversation outdoors there. Um, so we're working on getting that schedule aligned probably early next week to send that out and get that um, feedback to the community. You know, the other big thing that we haven't talked about yet as a board, and it seems to have kind of fallen off the radar with everything that's happening with COVID is EMS and ambulance services. And we um, in Mendocino County absolutely need to figure out how we're getting an ambulance to your grandpa. I mean, like this is a big deal. And a, a lot of things have been you know, postponed because of the COVID response and the COVID crisis, but it's, we can't wait on things like that. You know, 18 minutes to get an ambulance, it's not okay. And and even further, if you're more rural, I mean, that's in Ukiah, but further. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of things to consider when we're talking about the PG&E funds. I just want to make sure that everyone in the community has their voice heard and not everybody can call in or write into the supervisors. So I think it, a town hall type forum will be helpful. And I hope that people can attend and, and, and submit their, and again, so, solutions, like what are some valid plans that we can, that we can use and incorporate. And okay, that's great. And so what I'm hearing is you feel that a big chunk or a, priority in this money from PG&E settlement should focus on the areas that were damaged and possibly the infrastructure and emergency services and that kind of stuff. But it sounds like several of the other board members are thinking there's ways of spreading the money into other projects that affect um, other parts of the county as well. Um, that's what I heard from the board meeting. And that's what kind of what I got from Ted Williams, too, is that there's this big chunk of money. We want to focus at where the damage was, but there's the opportunity to, like you said, emergency services, that kind of thing, fire response. These are more broadened over the whole county. Is that correct? Is that what I'm hearing? That's what I'm, that's what I heard, too. Okay. <laughs> so that, right. I mean, that's kind of what I heard in the meeting and um, my personal opinion Again, it's just to, is to make sure that it's related to, um, you know, fire and and recovery. Okay. So what are you hearing about the CARES money? There hasn't been too much on the board. Uh, we haven't talked, they haven't talked about it. It was just put out that it's coming to us. Um, 
is do you know more than I know about that money coming in and maybe how much it's going to be and where it needs to be directed also. I don't know if we can spend that on other things besides COVID. So, Yeah, as far as I understand, we really can't spend it on things other than COVID. And, you know, one of the concerns has been that there were people pulled from absolutely every direction in every department to work on the COVID response. And so I'll use the library as an example. Many of the, um, several of the librarians were pulled into the emergency operations center, but their work didn't get done while they were gone. So that now they're, you know, back in the library. And, and I know that the library advisor, advisory board is like, well, you know, how will we be made whole for the, the, um, the loss of the individual for however many months. So, you know, there, I think that there's some interdepartmental county um, budgeting that needs to be figured out when that money comes in before we move on to what else. And as far as I'm concerned, again, like with wildfire, how are we prepared as a community if this were to happen again? I mean, it's been one year since um, the shelter in place was announced, but are we really prepared for the next thing? You know, do we have the operations in place? Do we have the personnel in place? Do we have the buildings and the infrastructure ready to go were this to happen again? And so for me being prepared um, for any type of emergency is really where we should be focusing these additional funds on. And that's just, again, my opinion. And again, that brings up emergency services. That brings up the op- Office of Emergency Services, which covers disasters. And when you read the mandate of the Office of Emergency Services, it covers a lot of what you're talking about. So I can see strengthening a lot of the internal um, departments that deal with this and a lot of the internal structures that deal with emergencies, whether it be a pandemic or a, you know, a fire or a big wave coming in off the coast in Tucson. In, so um, that's- there's really two things to consider when it comes to emergencies. There's the emergency that's happening in the moment, the true disaster. And then there's the economic recovery and what that looks like. And, and they um, are aligned, but they may also be, you know, separate people, separate roles, maybe separate departments. And that's all something that has to be sorted out. I, um, we, we spoke a little bit before we went on the air, but that's part of determining the strategic plan and what exactly the county should look like moving forward. And so there's an ad hoc committee um, that is working on preparing um, an RFP to get a consultant to help the county create a strategic plan, which hasn't happened, oh. I don't know, in over decades or <laughs> decades. It could be decades. I, I can't remember. I don't know. I'd have to look up to see when was the last time it was. But you know what? You brought up a really, you brought up my next topic, which I had sent, I had sent uh, Mo a list of kind of the topics I wanted to hit on. And you talked about development, um, economic development. And you had a great presentation, I thought, personally, uh, on Monday called Move 2030. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't had a chance to actually look at the paperwork with it because I was streaming other things or yesterday. Um, but it it came out of it's 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 about economic development in the county. And having covered the county so many years, I remember back when we didn't have there's never really been an economic development 
project or plan for the county. I think it started out for me, economic development would have been the tourism board that happened years ago with John Dickerson. And then they went into getting money to that, which was mainly tourist development. And then West Company stepped up and as a nonprofit started really uh, pushing economic development in the county. So now we've got this great presentation. Um, I'm not sure it was a committee that went out and did this. Uh, they in- interviewed 200 individuals or businesses and and had a real definite plan on how do we do economic development in Mendocino County. Great timing. I think it's great timing because here we are when our economy has gone down because of COVID. We'd have to close a lot of businesses, a lot of stuff going on. Plus, we're getting an influx of money, COVID money or CARES money. And now we've got this great economic you know, development plan, this move 2030. So what do you think about it? How did it look to you? So for anybody that's listening in, they can review the plan and the website at move2030.org. Um, the West Company was tasked with creating this um, plan and developing partners. I was involved uh, as a city council member in some of the public forums and um, and getting the community feedback. So I do think it is important that we have a plan. You know, it, what has happened in the past in Mendocino County is uh, the next carrot comes. Yeah. And it's like chasing this carrot, but then, you know, it, I don't know what to say. A bigger rabbit catches it. it. We are not really haven't been proactive about what's happening with economic development in our county. So I am excited that there's an opportunity for that. I, community engagement is always a challenge. And especially during the times of uh, covid our business owners were so tasked with just keeping their doors open and keeping their heads afloat and how do I apply for this grant or what can I do about my employees? And it was really quite overwhelming for our business owners. So I'm hoping that as we move through the tiers and we're able to reopen, we can capture some engagement from our local business owners so that we're really making um, decisions moving forward that make sense for our community. You know, one of the things that I talked about a lot during the campaign is in Mendocino County, we don't have access to large infrastructure. We don't have, you know, big state highways. We're not, um, you know, attracting large industry. What we do have is some innovators in our community that have done a really good job of um, being strong employers and capturing, um, New ideas and technology, the solar tractor is a great example of that. So how do we support those innovators in our community to create jobs and um, and be able to move our future forward, knowing that, you know, we're probably not going to attract a Tesla factory here, right? But if we could be the home of the first solar tractor, how cool is that? And how do we make that happen? That is like... Um, you know, I think where we need to look at moving forward and, and our workforce is really another challenge. Um, and, and it has been, so we need to really look at this, you know, generation, I'm 40-ish and, and younger, and how do we make sure that they have um, jobs that provide a sustainable future for them so they can 
buy a home and raise a family and all those things, you know, that this American dream that we're all chasing. Well, one of the aspects of this move, um, move, uh, what is it? Move, uh, move 2030. Yeah, move 2030. Sorry, I got that spaced on it. Um, one, one point was working with the college uh, to help educate, help uh, train the, the jobs that we need in the county. Like they're talking about uh, nursing. That happened years ago when we decided we needed nurses. Uh, now, now I got to tell you, folks, listen, we need mechanics, we need plumbers, and we need solar technicians. I'm telling all the young kids that I know to get a vocational job. So one and of the yeah, roofers. I don't know about that. Yeah, right now I just know everybody in Boonville is looking for plumbers. Um, yeah, so that was a great aspect of this move 2030 is to start working with the college to start training for the the local jobs that we need. So that was good. So uh, I'm glad to know we can go check out that that project um, on move2030.org is I guess the website for that. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, yeah, so... We're coming up at the, well, it's just about a little after 9.30. I'm Karen Audubonny. You're listening to KZUX and Z. Uh, Mo Mulhern, second district supervisor, is on the air with me. And we're catching up with all the incredible things she's been working on um, many hours every day since uh, she got elected as the supervisor. Um, a lot of things on the table. The board meetings are getting more intense. Um I don't even want to talk about cannabis because there's a whole cannabis hour on KZUX. I'm going to let them do that. Um, same way with the environmental stuff. I like to slot it to their genre, but I want to focus on the county and how it operates. Um, I know. Can I make one comment? Sorry, Karen. No, no, go ahead. Yeah. Comment about the, um, you know, the Mendocino County Climate Action Committee. Yes came about under some fire about whether or not it would be a beneficial um, committee to our community. And I just want to say they did a presentation to the board. They gave uh, 11 policy directives. And I just want to say that I hope that the community really understands that the board took them seriously and that they have already made an impact and will continue to do so. And I you know, when, when we get things right, I think that should be celebrated. And so far, that committee um, has done great work and doesn't deserve sort of the, um, it, they didn't deserve the challenge that they originally had. And I hope that, that people can see the, the great work that they have done so far. So I just wanted to mention that. No, I, I agree. And I, there's something that we could mention is that what they've brought back is how the county operates it's uh, infrastructure in a lot of ways that they can help with climate changes and stuff with that, with just doing like, you know, keeping the lights down, doing something with the cars and, you know, the buildings and all of that. Um, did I hear that that's a 15 person committee in their short? They've only got 10. Was that the it's one? huge committee? Yeah. They, I think they they're are. short members. So if you want to check that out and have an interest, um, it, it, it's not just about trees and who cuts trees. It has to do with how we operate within our county, how we how we operate our buildings, how we operate our um, staff and our fleet of all the things we own. So that's another that's a good sideline of that. Um, one of the things I want to throw out that I will be watching and covering and Mo will be back on and I'll talk to the other supervisors is that um, the last several board meetings what has come up is the concept of changing the county structure at the at the government at the at the 
at the administration's office from possibly going from a CEO back to a CAO, which I watched happen back in 2005, covered it extensively. Um, so that's on the topic. That's a topic that's been brought up a few times the last several months, last couple months or month or so. Um, and that kind of goes along with, I would think, the strategic plan. And then the other thing I'm just going to throw out, and these are big topics that we're just going to touch on today and get more in depth and as they become more uh, pertinent to the discussion, is also that back in, uh, I think it was 2008, when we hit our big, uh, you know, recession, a lot of uh, consolidation of different departments got put under the CEO's office. Now what's been on the table I'm hearing is breaking down the CEO's office and creating more departments, kind of going back to where we were, not totally before, but kind of moving out of uh, having more department heads, less uh less under the CEO's office, especially if we end up going to a CAO. So these are all, again, all woven together. Strategic plan, how do we manage the county, how does the county work, all of that. So that's a big topic, Mo. Um, go for it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so what I've learned in the, in the last, you know, 90 days. Yes. That... Um, and I'll just be frank, the, the CEO has had a role um, in a sense of shielding the supervisors from some very controversial and impactful decisions. And, you know, that was the choice that they were making at the time. In my, my opinion, um, I was elected to serve and to have a role in leadership. And I think it's important for the board to shoulder those responsibilities and to, you know, to own those choices. It all rolls uphill and the buck stops there, right? So we are, um, you know, to me, changing the model and um, giving this board and future boards more responsibility and a stronger role to play with the department heads, I think will better serve our community. That conversation hasn't actually been had by the board yet um just the idea that we want to have the conversation so i was busy um you know uh, what was i doing in 2006 i guess i was working and raising a family and so not necessarily paying uh, that much attention to the change between the cao and the ceo but i think that it all really has to do with leadership and who's at the board and who's at the ceo it has served our county well to have um, the CEO be Carmel Angelo. She gets a lot of stuff done. She's brought a lot of money into our community. Um, but again, I feel like the board uh, gave a lot of responsibility and probably some decisions to her that they they should have owned. And that's just my opinion. Okay. Well, it was surprising for me that it came up. Um, it had been kind of the fait accompli since it switched. Uh, I am going to say that that's a board decision. That's not something the voters vote on. Uh, I, that question was put to me by a couple people that were I know. Um, that was something the board decided on back, I think, in 2005 is what I heard. And that, that would be a vote for the board. So it, is this the kind of, when we talk about strategic plan for the county, all right, um, is that where that comes in? 
the strategic plan is we we change the upper structure, we create more department heads. Is that going to be part of the strategic planning discussion? You think, or yeah, should, should I be? Do. I I do, and I I do think it should be. Unfortunately, um, some things have come forward, and there were already some again some some trains in motion before the board was seated in January. And I, I don't know when I'll stop calling us the new board, but with two new supervisors and two supervisors only having been on board for uh, two years, I do feel like it's a fairly new board and a different policy direction with policy changes. You know, I think it's important in, you know, a business or your home or in county government or any, any government to look at changes and if, if, you know, if it seems like a good idea to make those changes, but to not be afraid to say, hey, that didn't work, and we need to look at doing it a different way. And I think that that's what the county's doing right now with looking at IT, with looking at HHSA, um, and kind of saying, hey, we, we did this. It hasn't proven more effective. Either it has or had a cost savings, but the... But the um, the lack of efficiency isn't worth the cost savings. Um, so, you know, I think it, it is important to look at those things on a regular basis and adapt. My concern at this point is that um, I really think it's important to have a plan moving forward and to make so many changes before you have a plan just to have to undo them. I'm having uh, some concerns around that. So I'm hoping, um, Supervisor McGordy said yesterday that the strategic plan RFP, I think he said, should be coming soon, fairly soon to the board for approval so we can get that ball rolling. That's good. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, there has been some uh, uh, department head changes that are not changing. Changes in the staffing, but the approach to it, like you're talking about, that a bit, it's a piecemeal. And I agree that I would rather see the county have a, a plan of how they're going to do it than piecemeal it. So, anyway, um, one of the topics you wanted to bring up, and I want to give you some time before we open up the lines, I'll give them uh, last 10 minutes, we'll open up the lines, um, was you wanted to talk about homelessness and uh, the housing for the homeless. Is that the one we wanted to talk about? that you were feeling like you wanted to get out a bit on? I mean, we've, we've covered yeah, so many topics. Know, so. There, there are a lot of topics, and this is one that has um, been coming up often, is where do we want people to be housed? Because we have this NIMBYism, and I'm sure you know NIMBY means not in my backyard. Oh, yeah. And I feel that everybody wants the government to do something about a problem, but then when there are solutions brought forward, they don't want it near them. And at some point, we need to have a community conversation about the stigmas around homelessness and mental health and um, and poverty, generally. Um, You know, there's a lot of stigmas that are happening, even in our small rural community, that I feel like we're not talking enough about. And we're not talking about, you know, addiction and how people that even live in homes suffer from addiction. We've lost two folks from the streets, uh, one to uh, an an opioid overdose and one to an alcoholism-related overdose or um, disease. So this is an important community conversation, and I feel like people just don't want to see it. They want to 
hide away the problem somewhere and not have to think about it. But that's not going to serve our community and that's not going to help um, sort of, you know, lift folks out of the situations that they're in. So that is a really important um, conversation. The county, before I was a board member, had purchased the old uh, Best Western at 555 Orchard Avenue. It's called um, Project Home Key. And if I can give another website, it's um, Project Home Key Mendocino. And uh, Mendocino, Project Home Key Mendocino.org. And it talks about the people that will be housed there. And, you know, one of the really important things for people to understand is that the folks that are housed there are going to have a lot of rules. Um, there are, you know, explicit contracts that go with living there. So this is not going to change street level homelessness. This is not going to change the people that you see on the streets. This is going to get out the woman that lives in a storage shed or the mom that's living in her car. This is, you know, when I show people this website, they're like, oh, those are the people that I want to help. Well, we should want to help everybody. Right. But, you know, when the NIMBYism comes out from a project that it is what our community wants to see, I think you know, that's, we need, to, we need to have a very real conversation about what our expectations are as a community. And how do you see that? How can people that are listening that are, uh, that are in the Ukiah Valley or on the coast that want to talk about and get involved and maybe help with some good uh, suggestions, how can, um, are there meetings happening? Are there ways that they can feed into discussions about the homelessness in the county? Do you know? Sure. That I mean, right if, you, if you lived in an incorporated city, I would definitely reach out to your city council members okay. in Fort Bragg, Ukiah, Willits, um, Point Arena, all have city council members. And if you live in an unincorporated area, I mean, I, you can still talk to your city council member or your supervisor, but also we have the COC, the Continuum of Care, which is a um, large group of service providers that are tasked with um trying to find solutions for homelessness and you can all i'll give you another website hand up not handoutmindo.org and you can find their meetings and read about the work that they're doing and if you think they're on the wrong track then you know speak up but otherwise um again celebrate the things that are working uh building bridges the overnight emergency shelter and the day use shelter is doing a community cleanup on the second Saturday of the month where folks from the community and folks from the shelter can work to pick up trash um, in the neighborhood. And they're also hosting community meetings currently on Zoom so that people can talk about, hey, you know, how can we deal with this neighborhood situation? I've been attending those meetings and you know, it's, I don't see the people that are complaining on Facebook attending the meetings to come up with solutions. So please, you know, engage, but, but come with solutions. And it's okay to have complaints, but let's figure out how we move forward. This is my complaint. It would resolve it if you did X, Y, Z. Excellent possession and excellent suggestion. So I am going to open up the lines real quick here. If you have a burning question for Mo Mulhern, uh, now is the time to do it. 895 244 
eight. Um, this will not be the last time Mo is on the air with me. I am going to devote the, my shows to the supervisors. Um, next week, as I said, Glenn McGordy will be on. He's also the second new supervisor. He and I are going to focus on water issues because that's really his genre. And then I've actually been able to nail down our DA. I'm going to have David Eister on next month. So this is kind of the powerful programming that I'm going to bring to you uh, in this time slot every other Wednesday morning. And that's why I'm going to ask you to make sure that you're part of this radio station. Become a member. Up your membership. You can do that at 895-2324. You can go to our website, hit the donate button, and you can also send us a big juicy check to P.O. Box 1 Philo 9466. All right, Mo, we ready to take some questions? Here we go. I got to get all my buttons pushed. And we go. Good morning, caller. I believe you're on the air with Mo Mulhern. Hey, good morning. This is Joe from up in Cleone, just north of Fort Bragg. And um, something I never hear addressed on any call-in shows is, you know, sometimes the lake over there, Lake Mendocino, is really, really low. And we're always talking about water security. And, and maybe this isn't in your district. I don't know where the second district boundaries are. Um, and I rarely get a chance to call in. But I'm wondering, and I, I read recently that the Army Corps engineers had some report about water levels over there. Why aren't we dredging or adding capacity to that lake when it's low? You know, I mean, we can throw money at the ambulance. Uh, it doesn't take uh, 18 minutes to get an ambulance in Ukiah. We can throw emergency service money around. But really, water security is getting to be a big deal. I know over in Fort Bragg it's a big deal because everybody's got these massive water bills, and all they do is keep building capacity so they can suck the rivers drier and drier but there's not long-term solution. My kids don't have a water solution over here. All right, so I mean, let me... I'm let me, 48 so, years old, but what are we doing about the Lake Mendocino debt? Because it would be so cheap to just add cubic yards of capacity so that on a good rain year, we can store more. All right, that's so my question. I'm going to... Thank you. Yeah, but wait a minute. Listen, listen in next week, because that's going to be the major topic for Glenn McGordy and I on next Wednesday, because water is going to be a big issue. But go ahead, Mo. Um, it's a... It's a... Uh, it's not our... Yeah. It's not our lake. And it is no, a... Pu- it is a pu- it's a puddle. It's you a know, puddle. It's a puddle. It's a puddle, you know? De- decades and decades ago, the supervisors decided that they didn't want to spend money, and Sonoma County said, hey, we want... Oh, we'll yeah. We want the water. And I think that when we talk about the In the Water Power Commission and what's happening with the Potter Valley Project and the dams in Pillsbury, I mean, this is a very important thing for our community to understand is that could impact water resources for generations to come. The question about dredging is one that has been brought up a lot, many, many times. And it's my understanding that just environmentally, there's no way to do it with state regulations and um, disturbing the environment. So there is a plan. If it doesn't already exist, there's a plan to have a plan to um, to raise the Coyote Dam to make the capacity um, better in Lake Mendocino. The Sonoma County would still own the portion of water that they own. However, you know, you get a bigger bathtub, you have more water for longer. So that is out there and it is a conversation that's happening. And I appreciate that people are paying attention in the, um, I posted on my Facebook page, the full ag report for 2019. And in it had the summary of the California drought um, and, and our water levels in Mendocino County. And, you know, you'll see that, that it's um, 
every five years or so, we have a drought-like condition. So it's not a new problem, um, but we, we do need solutions. It's not a new problem, but it seems like it's getting more severe because we aren't having that long stretch of more rain like we used to have. But yeah, we're going to be focusing a lot on water. Um, what do we do about it? Uh, the city of, or the city, the town of Mendocino is having issues. Um, they're already talking about Fort Bragg. They're already saying conserve, 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 and it's not even the end of March yet. So water is going to be a big issue. Um, which is also for development. I mean, that comes into the whole cannabis production, hemp production, all of that. So uh, we probably have time for one more call, 895-2448, if you'd like to get in on the discussion. Um, one of the other things you talked about that I thought it'd be nice for you to highlight and just tell us what happened was you just did a Russian River cleanup, which I thought was fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I read the statistics of tons, 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 and more tons of garbage that was taken out out of and next to the riverbed, correct? Yeah, and it this this project happened on Saturday in alliance with Clean Water Day, World Clean Water Day, and it was a you know a a big two county effort from Ukiah to Santa Rosa, and I really want to thank Chris Brocate from the Clean River Alliance for spearheading that with Salvador Rico from the South Ukiah Rotary. They did a good job of coordinating volunteers and giving people an opportunity to um, give in, uh, give a little bit and, and pitch in to be able to help keep the waterways clean. So trash pickup is just a big thing in my life. I have uh, Adopt a Highway and Highway 101. I do the building bridges cleanup. I have an Adopted County Road on, um, which I'm actually on South State Street. And and we're cleaning up on the Great Redwood Trail on April 24th for Earth Day. Um, and I think that talking about trash and litter and illegal dumping is really important for our community to understand um, that they can have an impact on something that that seems so small in the realm of um, their daily lives. So I, I think it's incredibly important that we have these conversations about volunteerism and helping to keep the rivers clean because that's something that anybody can do anybody can do it you can do it in afternoon i'm always picking up trash on all the roads around mendocino or anderson valley anyway all right mo we're going to get another caller on here hang on just a minute caller you're on the air with us your question uh yeah um uh karen you said something that implied that the cares act money for state and local government was had to do with uh covid costs but my understanding was that it's supposed to make up for lost tax revenue due to business slowdowns and that there's other buckets of money for the direct COVID costs. I wondered if your uh, guest could uh, clarify that and uh, confirm it that the actual money when received is, is discretionary uh, uh as far as the county's use of it is concerned. Okay, we're going to get Thank a quick. You. We're going to get a quick answer because I'm going to have to get out of here soon. Okay, Mo, uh, is that what do we know about the CARES money? I wasn't real sure yet. Do we know yet? Unfortunately, I'm, I'm not real sure yet either. Yeah, I, don't think I just we are. Told that um, you know there's a plan. So um, we also need to to look at the the revenue. I think that the um, economy was not as hard hit as initially thought yeah. um, by the COVID virus and the shutdown. So 
Okay, well, we'll, we'll follow up on that. But um, I've only got a minute left. So can you give out all your contact or the main contacts? So if people want to give you feedback, some positive suggestions, they can do that. Could you do that, Mo? Sure, absolutely. My website is MaureenMulhern.com, M-A-U-R-E-E-N-M-U-L-H-E-R-E-N.com. And you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Mo4Mindo. So that's M-O, the number four, M-E. NDO and my cell phone and my email are on my website and on my social media. All right, we got to get out of here. Mo Mulhern, thank you so much. We'll do this again. Keep up the great work. Go forth and conquer. Thanks. All right. Thank, thank you, my you dear. Karen. Had a great time. You too. Thank you so much. All right, folks, um, become a member. Do it now. I'll be with you next Wednesday with Glenn McGordy. We'll keep this conversation going. It's a beautiful spring day. Donate and then go get vaccinated. How's that? Stay tuned for classical music coming up right now. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can go to kzyx.org to find more shows and content like this one. While there, you can stream us live or check out our jukebox. And if you like what you hear, consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. We are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Woolets and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Thanks for listening.